Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Hasek. I played goalie because of Dominic Hasek. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 97, the Jeremy Roenick episode. Two Goalies, One Mike, I'm Johnny Cullen. With my eyes open this time. Let's see how long that lasts. i <laughs> uh, joined always by Dwayne Steinel. Dwayne, it's been a little bit since we've just had me and you on, but tons to talk about. Uh, yes, coming into the home stretch of the NHL season. Uh, before we get to that, how are you? How's everything been going, brother? Not bad, man. Uh, still feeling some of the after effects of COVID. Um, just a little bit. I'm like, I'm not contagious or anything, but like, you know, it's it, like, Whatever strand or variant you get, man, like when people tell you they're like you're never the same, at least for not for a while afterwards, they're not lying, man. Like still I got lucky. <clears throat> I got lucky. I got it in the very beginning. I got it in January of two thousand one. Like right yep. when like, right before everything shut down. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because I was able to build up antibodies. Um yeah. but you know, I was exposed numerous times, uh, even before I got the vaccine and I was very lucky, knock on wood, uh, that I haven't. But I feel you, man. I've I've worked with plenty of kids who had, um, you know, just like heart de- like uh, defects afterwards, yep. like that they couldn't. So I, I definitely know what you're talking about. And obviously, we, you know, you hear about it from people about the the losing the sense of smell and taste. Yeah, obviously, I didn't, that didn't happen to me. Thank God, because the way I look at it, our five senses are. Six senses. Um, to me, that's like superhumans. If you look at like I'm a Marvel guy, and I got into it in the past couple of years. But if we were to really create a superhero, don't you think it would be somebody who could enhance their senses? Like, yeah, that, that would be sounds more feasible than like um, a mutation. Well, I know, I know, Superman. Superman has some of those abilities. Like, I remember, like he has insane hearing. Obviously, eyesight. He's from a different planet. He's Kryptonian. Well, yeah, that's true. That's My true. point being is, I think that's the superhero. first superhero in our lifetime will be a genetically engineered baby who has the hearing of a, let's just say, a bat who, who, who uses like the echo, the smelling of a canine, like a hound, uh, the vision of an owl, right? You know, with gene splicing yep. um, and what they're doing. Um, and I don't know who has a good taste, but let's just say a frog because they got the tongue that goes, 
Um, I think that's realistically what the first superheroes in the world will be. People might look at me like I'm crazy, but anybody that doesn't know, educate yourself on the advancements in gene splicing and um, really fascinating what's going on. Um, the name's slipping right now for me, but it's a way for them to edit the, the genome and splice gene sequences into. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just anyways, uh, way off topic. I don't know how we got there. Um, but here was my question though, if that does happen, because we're starting to see, you know, couples having the ability to pick the sex of their baby pretty soon, we're going to be traveling down that line how, of like being able to pick and choose what color hair or like, how will that affect pro sports when these, you know, genetically altered humans grow up, right? Like that that's question. why I brought it up when you think about it. Don't you think that might have an effect in 20 years or am I crazy? No, I mean, it, there's a very big possibility, I guess. I mean, <clears throat> um, I'm not, not even saying like conspiracy theories or really that, but like, it's not, I mean, it's I mean as, as technology advances, like, I mean, I mean, is it completely out of the realm of possibilities that something could happen? No, I don't think so. But do you think that if you're able to help, like if you're able to gene splice and pick out your baby, um, it, like pick out traits how can you like genuinely bet on a game when somebody has a superior advantage now up and until now yes people were born with god-given ability and they chose to work hard at it yeah but what if you take that out of it and you can make an ivan drago in the lap right you know what i mean yeah like, what will the implications be 30 40 50 years down the line when we have superhumans playing in i don't know i don't know where that thought came from um no, I like it. Uh, the 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 word I was looking for uh, for for the gene splicing. Oh my god, it's 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 killing me right now. Um, anyways, not important. Let's get back to hockey. Um, a lot going on. We are first of all with the Sabers. If if you don't mind touching there, love to see some milestones get hit. Um, I think Owen Power is and and I heard Donnie Granado talk about it. I would have only wished that Don Granada was here with Darlene. Now, if yep. we saw, if we seen Darlene transform into an all-star. 100%. Have we seen him get the most points as a defenseman in the Sabres since Gary Galley in the 90s? Yeah, we didn't say Phil Housley. I think he, I think. Well, like, Gary Galley had him 93-94. He was at like 53. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Gary. yeah, I remember. But So, um, Housley, um, was, I know, I know. Housley was before Galley. My point My, being. If I didn't mean to cut you off, but if if we've seen this new Darlene, imagine in year five, imagine how much quicker he could have gotten there with Donnie at the helm. Because when 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 Donnie was asked about Owen Power, like, hey, what 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 advice you know would you give him in the pregame scrum? He said, I didn't. I said, go out there and play, get acclimated to the NHL. And yep. and to me. We've seen Owen Power be Owen Power. Has he gotten beat? Yes. But that's yeah. part of becoming an NHL player, an NHL regular. And as a first overall pick, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. But I love Granado's approach because I think we saw what happened when you kind of handcuff these world-class generational players. And it really hinders their development. We've seen what happens when the shackles come off with a Dalene, with a Tage Thompson. Correct. Um how do you think Owen Powers looked to you thus far? 
Yes, he's made mistakes. I love the way that he's in perpetual motion. He's jumping up that weak side on pinches better than anybody I've ever seen. Uh, reminds yep. me of a young Drew Doughty. I played against Drew for one year. And um, it was amazing just how he was able to pinch and then pivot and get back on defense. What is what is power surprise or what, what stuck out to you about Owen Power the most, Dwayne? Confidence. I think his confidence is through the roof. Um, I think sometimes even, even, you I mean, I, I guess <clears throat> there are a select few players that maybe in their first handful of games might feel a little bit more timid or, you know, maybe just afraid to make a mistake. Owen Power is not one of those guys. <clears throat> He's one of those Dwayne, not to cut you off in our interview with him. Did it not strike you right away that he just doesn't seem like those, one of those type of kids? No, he's not. He, he's not one of those kids. He's just not phased by pressure. And I think that's going to be huge, especially on a team like this. It's as young as us. And uh, you know, the culture that's being built to bring that type of a character into your locker room into again, to a very young locker room. I think that's going to, you know, help move the needle a lot further than maybe some people maybe might have expected uh, when he when he would make his debut because I think that just the the swagger and the confidence he's been playing with since since making his debut like I, okay, I so think it's since his debut I think it's since he's well, first on the team. Well, I know, but since uh, best best In example, NFL, I get what you're saying. Best example is when he got beat on. Um, Against the Tarasenko, was it Tarasenko? Yeah, yeah Vlad, the Vlad goal, the Tarasenko goal, where he got, he got caught, he got caught, he got caught, he got caught puck watching, and Vlad came in and scored. Right, um, he didn't change anything about his game. He still went out there and played the same style of hockey. I think maybe one or two shifts later, he was still going to the net, playing, playing aggressively. Like that's the sign of a true elite player. Yes. Like, you don't change your game because of one mistake. Do you learn from it? Yes. But that's that's what after the game's for. Can you make in-game adjustments? Yes. But the Ryan Ellis's of the world that I played with, even after he made an egregious mistake, he yep. wouldn't dwell on it. Just like my whole, when I teach goalies, the next save mentality, because it doesn't matter if you just made the best save of your life or you let in the worst goal. You, you can't control any of that. The only thing you can control is the next save. So exactly. for them, it would be the next shift mentality. And I saw it firsthand with a few players like Petrangelo, like Ellis and Ellis. And, and I bring him up because uh, I know he hasn't been like a world-class player in the NHL, but he was the best player I've ever played with for him to, to go out and make a mistake, which he didn't make many, but then come back the next shift and just do it over again, make the same play. Yep. I see a lot of that in power. I do too. I, I just I think I think when you're like a young player like that, I think confidence is probably the most important like tool you can have, right? Like just you know well, not only confidence in yourself, but confidence from the staff, right? Yeah, oh well, yeah, I mean group. both go hand in hand. You know, you know, you could tell Don Granado did not put a leash on him. From, from the moment he stepped uh, stepped on the ice for the first time, he says, go out there and do everything you did at Michigan and, you know, do it at your game, game play your style. And, you know, he he has been. And, you know, he he pinches, he goes the net. He, um, he's not afraid to get involved offensively and rush the puck. Um, you know, I, I can't wait to see, because I know they've had uh, – they've had – uh, Darlene playing on the right side with Samuelson, which has looked really nice. I'm very interested to see if they 
toy around with maybe Darlene and Owen Power on a defensive pairing together. Just I, we'll see situations. it. We'll see it. We'll see it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I bet you they'll play around with it in summer at the summer skates before yeah. we see it. Um. Well, well on that note, um, I've been so impressed, and I haven't felt this way in a long time since the days of the Zhitnik, the Schmeliks. Uh, you know, since yep. when has our top four looked so good and so young? I know, and and I know we like we can get into specifics of um, Samuelson and Darlene, but it, it, what struck out to me was the way Samuelson has matured behind his years, and that goes to his father. Um, you know, raising him the way he did and being, you know, such a stalwart on some really good Philadelphia teams. Um, and it was the it was the day that they won in Philly. And, and to hear Samuelson talk and mention Mr. Clark um, and um, Mr. Hextall and guys like that, like it was awesome. But then it pivoted to Darlene and it was so cool to see him kind of, you know, <laughs> shake off smiles about how Darlene caught, and I mentioned it last episode, he calls it the Cobra, um, Samuelson's ability to hide his reach and to sneak up on people. To see that, like, we haven't had an inside look in what's going on there. To see some personality out of Darlene is great. It gets me yep. excited, Dwayne. Um, I don't know how it'll shake out, but between Samuelson, between Darlene, between Power, between Yoki, and now, you know, draw the line there. Um, we have the kid coming in from Minnesota, right? Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember. Ryan Johan Johnson. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. I think I got his name right. Ryan Johnson. Um, first or first pick of the second round a couple years ago or three years he ago. The, he was either the first pick of the second round or the or the first pick of, or last pick of the first. Yeah, I think he might have been first pick of the uh, he was the last pick of the first round because you're right. You're right. That was, was the year St. Louis won the cup. He was 31, and we had St. Louis's pick from the O'Reilly trade. You're right. Sorry. Um, and then Samuelson might have been like one of the first few picks of the second round a different year. But when you when you look at them and and then you look at guys like um at the, at the other like uh here I don't want to get into the other defensemen whether who we bring in. But looking at those four, I know that three are left-handed shot defensemen. It's yeah. tough to find a guy to play the right-hand side. Right now it's Samuelson. Um but fuck if they look good. I mean, they're not, they're not going to be perfect guys. They're a young team. They're going to make mistakes. But the way I tell my young goaltenders, uh, I'll give you an example. I had a 14 year old and I had a, a 17 year old who's going to be playing in the Bowman cup, a couple of clicks uh, for Dylan Murphy representing Buffalo in the Bowman cup to, on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but I had college level shooters out there and I explained to each and every of my goalies. Hey, listen, if I have shooters, your age, you might make every save. You're not going to get any better because I'm not going to see what you need to get better at because you're not going to get beat. It's through getting beat and through making mistakes that we see what we need to get better at. And I'm all about it. I loved Granado's communication system. I love the way that he has given these guys a free leash like you've talked about while staying within the team structure. The sweep of Philly, right? Um, yep. We've seen what happens with average to above average replacement level goaltending. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and you go back to, you know, our, our, our games and looking at, you know, I know the St. Louis one was a stinker, but, and the Tampa Bay one was bad. Yep. But a great win against Nashville, a tough loss against a really good Florida team. The best, you know, they're, they're at 120 points. 
the win at Carolina at home, uh, then, the, you know, the loss against Carolina, which we can argue will bounce or two away, a call or two away from that being a five through the other way. Yep. Uh, and then a, a one goal loss of Florida. If you go and look at Florida's margins of victory, we lost to them in a span of a week by five, three. I believe that was an empty netter. And then four, three, they've been beating the wheels off of teams and we lost to them by two and by one goal. Okay. Yep. I don't like losing. It is what it is. We come back out. We lay a stinker against the lightning. Then we come right back. And this is what I'm trying to talk about. The ability to flip that switch, Dwayne, with a younger team, having the veteran leadership of whether you want to say Akposo, uh, Gergensen's, uh, Pissick, you know, Skinner, and then the young guys stepping up like Thompson and Cousins um, and, and Darlene, whoever it may be. But to come back and beat your arch rival 5-2 to two in Owen Power's first game, like, fucking rights. You know what I mean? I don't know about you, but, like, that to me says everything I need to hear about this group going forward. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know, Granado's ability to, you know. Oh, come out, come out. Since then, we lost to St. Louis with that stinker, and then we've won four in a row. Since Owen thing. Power has made his debut, the Sabres are 5-1. and one. Uh, the only loss being that game against St. Louis, six to two game, right? Yeah, and honest to God, like you know, with, with obviously in every game you're going to see some ebbs and flows, but the Sabres have been pretty dominant in all of these games. Like you know, they've been the better team, and it's not very often we can say that about a Sabres team in recent memory. Just you know, where you can, where when you watch a game start to finish, that you it's like, well, Buffalo was the better team. They're the better team again. They were the better team again. You have multiple multi-game winning streaks in this season, which, again, it's been a long time since you've been able to say that about the Buffalo Sabres. Um, Let me stop you for a second. Right now, we have two 30-goal scorers, Thompson at 37, Skinner at 33, Akposo at 21, Olofsson at 20. When's the last time that we said that Buffalo had four 20-goal scorers? Um, it's been a long time, Dwayne. The I don't last time they had – the last time they had two 30 goal scorers, no, it was Drew Stafford. I know, but I'm but I'm 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 going by my own memory. Um, it was Drew Stafford and Thomas Vanek. So I'd imagine it's been a long time since we've had four probably I would imagine it was when maybe we had O'Reilly, Eichel, and Kane on the team. Okay, maybe there was three there. Switching over to assists, Darlene at 40. That's that's an elite, elite defenseman. Dolly, yeah, I mean, forty assists, dude. Yeah, he's just Thompson, thirty assists. Jeff Skinner, <laughs> twenty nine assists. Victor Olsen, twenty nine assists. Alex Tuck, twenty six. So let me just say this, okay? If you look at Alex Tuck and say his is his, his his season wasn't shortened, right? And yep. that would give you five players, assuming that Skinner and Olsen get an assist in the next two games. That's five players with 30 or more assists. Correct. When's the last time we could say that about us at the Sabres? It's been a long time. Exactly. It's been a long time. When you look at the points, obviously they don't jump off the page with guys like Goudreau and McDavid putting up 100-point seasons. But just to see Jeff Skinner get back onto that pace. Tage Thompson having a breakout year with 67. Rasmus Dahlin, 53 points as a fucking defenseman in the National League. As a young ago, guy on a bad three team. Months, three months ago, there were a lot of fans in this fan base that wanted him gone. The one I, I hope all of them 
hand in their fan card because, listen, it's very easy to, to point the finger at some of these young guys. And I, I can, you can make excuses too. You are only as – and I've learned this as a coach the hard way. You are only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Carrie and Tim have got it wrong. Did I say Carrie and Tim? <laughs> yeah, you did. Terry and Kim. What is their what are their names? Terry and Kim. <laughs> Jesus. Too many pucks to the head. Um, Terry and Kim have got it wrong five times. I think they finally got it right. Okay. I know Kevin Adams on a personal level. I got to skate with him a whole summer, and I've told this story on the air. It was me. Uh, Marcus Felino, we went to leisure lit rinks from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. It was Kevin Adams on the ice and Nick Fatty. Uh, I was the only goalie. It was Cassian, Felino, Luke Adam, Corey Trop. Yep. And that's how I got my invite to Sabres camp. But every single day, Kevin Adams has a passion for the game and he has a way of communicating. And although I haven't seen him much outside of the hellos at, at the Harbor Center since then, I, I know the man and, and I've, I've had the opportunity to be around him in his setting, even though he was player development back then. Look at how Marcus Felino's turned out. He's a stalwart on a fucking very, very good Minnesota team. Yep. He's somebody I wish we still had. Um, I love Marcus He's turned out to be a good player on a good Edmund or a good player. He's had a good career. Um, Luke Adam and Corey Trump don't know where they ended up, but um, my point being is you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. I think if, if we were to ask Darlene and get a clean answer off the record from last year, maybe before, no, maybe even after Granado took over, but not a full season with Granado. And now if he feels comfortable, you know, being here, I think yeah. we'd be a 180. What do you think? I, I 100% agree. I think like Rasmus Darlene, when I look at him, man, I just see a guy who we really, uh, I would say just scratching the surface of how good he really is. And I think it's no secret that it does take <clears throat> defensemen a little bit longer to develop. Victor had been, I mean, I think, I don't think Victor Hedman had 40 points in a season until his fifth year. Darlene might have fifth year. Um, I, I think Darlene might have did it as first or second. I know he, he Darlene <clears throat> is second. No, this is his first time hitting 50 points. No, 40. I was talking about 40. Okay, my bad. Yeah, but, but no, your headman, your headman, you're right. It was his fifth year. Yeah, right? yeah. But, you know, so I think that kind of goes that Sabres fans are just very impatient. Um, we've been we've been through a lot of losing. So it's like you see if a guy who went first overall, you, you know, he was the hype around him was real. You saw all the highlights from him in Sweden, this player that you expect him to be, and he wasn't that right. People fail to realize like just because he's an elite level defenseman and he's a franchise defenseman doesn't mean that he's in, uh, impervious or in, in, when it comes to, you know, what's impervious coaching, bad, bad coach. You've, he's had three head coaches since being drafted to Buffalo three. I mean, that's three different systems, three different styles of hockey that he's expected to like adjust his game to and learn. And this is probably honest to God. The first time he's ever actually really felt stability while be while while being with the Buffalo Sabers, like and actual look stability. Happens. Look what happens when he finds that stability. Exactly, he's just been absolutely lights out. You know, best player on the ice next to Tage Thompson, in my opinion. Like transitioning away from the Sabers for a minute, um, that goal Ocposo scored 
um, and the story about the guy catching his bat. That was fun. As goalies, you know, you saw the way that puck dipped. Yep. That is a skill. Now, would, uh, you can ask Ocposo, maybe he wasn't trying to do it. But I know good players, and I've been scored on like that by Mitch Marner, where he dumped it in or shot it just as he entered the blue line, and it was like I was playing ball hockey because the thing, I went to catch it, and then it went six-hole to my opposite side. Uh, um, six-hole goals are the worst. Well, but especially from like a dumping. Yeah. And I just love that for Mokposo. I, I really hope he does stick around for one more year. I think he um, does. I think to he's too important. You know, Guys like Tuck and them and, and 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 cousins really, you know, be the the leaders they can be. Even if Ocposo has to restructure his deal, or you know what, fuck it, he, you know he's owed that money. He does he doesn't owe that to anybody. But I, I I like the way that he might not get the credit for it, but I I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't give him credit right now on the job that he's done with. Think about it. When Jeff Skinner was down and out last year, was it Jack Eichel picking him up? We know for a fact no. it wasn't. It no. was guys like fucking Ocposo. Yep. So, and, and, you know, I was very critical over the last two years of Kyle Ocposo because he wasn't pulling his weight. Well, you know what? I look back on that now, and he wasn't healthy. Um, you know, and he was also probably just out of maybe out of frustration or just the inability to really adjust the, the constant changeover. And let's get this straight. Like hockey players are going to go out there and be hockey players. They know how to play hockey. <clears throat> but when you have coaches who don't really develop a system of play that's best for your, and we saw this so most with Ralph Kruger, that best really, you know, highlight your players' skill sets, you're, it's, it's, gonna, it's going to hurt you. We Now, last year under Ralph Kruger, the log line of Akposo, Gergensen, Gergensen's, and uh, Larson. That was the line that got some hype analytically, especially as like a shutdown oh, line. We saw a little Larson bit too. Don't leave that out. You what? gave me shit for. I I said Larson was expendable, and you fucking gave me shit for it. No, I've never landed Larson. Who was it? It was somebody on our show. I can't remember. I'm not. A, I mean. I feel like guys like Johan. I mean, we got a guy like that, like in Rasmus Asplund right hey, now. Cody Eakin. Yeah, you can find guys. You can find guys like Larson everywhere. Like you really can. And let's be real. Like he's probably gonna be on. He just got traded. He was with, was with Arizona, and now he's with the Capitals. Uh, like the guy's gonna probably be uh, be on a bunch of different teams by the time his career's over with. If guys like that are so valuable or inexpendable, then they wouldn't be on so many teams. Like, is he a good, maybe, you know, defensive hockey player? Yeah, but he doesn't really give you anything offensively. And this is a scoring league. You need to score goals. And he doesn't do that for you really very much at all. So, like, but <clears throat> going going back, but, that, you know, Akposo had his moments last year playing on that line, being kind of a shutdown hitting checking line. But this year, you know, he's found his scoring touch again. And, not to mention, you just hear all the players and how they talk about him in the locker room and what he's given to this team, and and you know, and got for as isn't like guidance. Um, I I definitely want him back another year. I think he's gained Granados, um, and I know it's it's a team between Granado and management, Kevin Adams and Co. Yeah, but I think that Don Granado has earned enough respect to say, hey. That's that. I'm, that's that's a no budger for me. Like, I'll find a way to use him effectively, but yep. we need him back. 
Um, I wanted to change uh, topics really quick. Um, our good friend and recurring guest, Jesse Granger, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights beat reporter for yep. The Athletic, um, came out with uh, a recent article. I, I um, it, it was updated at 6.11 today. Um, yep. I expect I, or I encourage all of you guys to read it. Here's the interesting part. It all started with a tweet from Emily Kaplan. Okay. Yep. And, today. Dwayne, tell me if I'm wrong here. Okay. Um, Emily Kaplan tweets out. Let me find it. ESPN sources. Robin Leonard told Vegas on Thursday he was getting surgery. Team doctor agreed it was best course of action after evaluation Saturday. Then the team asked the goalie to delay and back up last night, which we saw him physically skate over to Logan Thomas and pick him up. Yep. And sorry, the, the, this is going back to Kaplan's tweet. Then team asked the goalie to delay and back up last night before allowing it. They cited cap implications per sources. Do you understand if Logan Thomas would have gotten injured that we You're could have putting. had a NHLPA nightmare on our hands and Robin Leonard would have had – he still might have grounds for a huge case against the Knights. Now – I don't see him back in Vegas next year. Now that's where it gets interesting, right? How stupid are they to let go of Flurry? Maybe Elaine really... Walsh was smarter smarter than all of us in this whole thing. Granted, Flurry's his client Leonard isn't. But, guys, Leonard backed up after knowing that he could not play. There was no way in hell he was playing. Yeah. Okay? I get why Vegas did what they did. For it to come out publicly is a fucking not good. nightmare. Not now, good at all. Does I mean... that get out because of good reporting? Or does that get out from Robin Leonard's camp because he was fucked. He felt used. And I would too. I went through something similar. I came back too early just to back up Jack Campbell after having meniscus surgery six weeks prior. The recovery time for me was 10 to 20 weeks. I was back on the bench after six. Now I yep. didn't play. Thank God. Cause soupy played good, good enough to get us there. We ended up losing in the Western Conference Finals, but, um, I, dude, I I I've been in his shoes on a lesser degree and in a lesser league. Uh, I was praying because I had been on the ice for pregame skates and I did not feel myself, and I knew something like God, God willing, do not get hurt, Jack, because if I were to had to have gone in, I would have been twenty percent of myself. So, like, I guess my question to you, Dwayne, is did this story leak from good reporting from Kaplan or did it leak from Leonard's camp? Um, it's tough to say because it's like, you know, Robin Leonard's – well, he deleted his Twitter account. He deactivated it. <laughs> I think kind of just well, more that, or less. That's kind of where I'm going with this. You saw how active he was on social media. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure if we forgot a reason why he did it. Maybe he just wanted to focus on the season. Or what do you mean the season's over? Well, he. he it's actually been deactivated for a couple weeks. Like well, it's you, you, dude. He he got injured on March eighth. I'm just. Like, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the exact timeline of when he deactivated it. If it was just for his you own said, reason. You said a few weeks ago. That's it. Or like that's in that March eighth range. Yeah, like I'm not again. I'm not sure how long it's been. It's been at least a few weeks. Could have been. Could be longer. 
But um, we all know how spoken he is. He's not afraid to speak his mind. Um, so I would I be surprised if he did let that story leak? No, I wouldn't be. I think that he that I think that you know, kind of the way. Well, just the whole it, the whole roster as a whole in Vegas. It's just like it, it just one injury after the other, right? Um, and so per Jesse Granger, and this was yet yeah, what is today the twenty fifth or twenty sixth? Now this is from today at about three hours ago. The Golden Knights have announced Robin Leonard will undergo another will undergo a season ending injury. Correct. He battled through a serious shoulder and leg injury this season, playing as long as he could to help the push for playoffs. Listen, you could say all you want about Leonard not being good this year. The truth comes out usually after the Stanley Cup about how many guys played injured, right? Leonard did all he could. I'm not blaming him one bit. I just want to know, were their rules broken? And we know that the law, like teams like Tampa Bay and teams like Vegas have used long-term injured reserve to, to circumnavigate the cap for playoffs. Now, I know the general managers visited on it in the owners' meeting, and mm-hmm. it, you know it was decided that it'll it'll stay the same. But will this shake things up? Because he was on the bench, unable to go in and play for cap reasons. That sure. to me is fucked up. Yeah, I uh, like for for the exact reasonings you said. It's it, it it's extremely fucked up because you know. What it? What if Logan Thompson does get hurt there, man? It's it. It would it be a nightmare for Leonard. What's Leonard supposed to do? Be like, uh, guess you guys are playing with six guys in a game that has major playoff implications. Like, and or we're about to get to that right after situ- this. I was teeing that up for us, Dwayne. So sorry. Yeah. Go or you put him in a situation where I guess I got to go out there and play in a lot of pain, like playing through a lot of pain. Not that he hasn't been doing that already, but the pain became too much for him. Um, you're putting him in a, ter- in a really terrible situation. I, this is where I feel for the guy because he is very outspoken about the way things went in Buffalo for obvious reasons. You know, he had some proof with, uh, through pictures and whatnot. He's very outspoken about that. And then now to go through this in Vegas, it, you know, again, until the whole story comes out, I mean, we really don't know. But Here's the whole story. Leonard injured his shoulder on February. This is coming from Jesse Granger. He injured his shoulder on February 9th against the, the Calgary Flames. Pete DeBoer wouldn't confirm that Leonard would be out for the season, yep. saying he expected Leonard to be at practice Saturday and dress for Sunday's game against San Jose. Correct. Knowing full well the cap implications, Leonard wasn't at Friday's practice and the backup goalie against uh, and was the backup goalie against the Sharks on Sunday. Correct. Here's where it gets interesting. Leonard suffered a leg injury on March 8th in Philadelphia, but tried playing through it while his team pushed for the playoffs. Like you mentioned, they're still in it, backs against the wall right now. Correct. He returned to action on April 3rd after missing 12 games. In the six games in his since his return, he was not himself. He had 17 goals with a save percentage of 892 and never looked like himself. He only played 44 games this season. He'll finish with a 23-17-2 record, a 907 save percentage, and 5.6 goals saved above expected. 16th in the NHL. That's a <laughs> Uh, the Knights have recalled Yuri Patera from the Henderson Silver Knights. Yep. Patera has played 21 games for the Silver Knights this season, but is yet to play in the show. The Golden Knights have three games remaining on their schedule and sit three points behind the Dallas Stars for the final Western Conference wildcard spot. 
Dallas also has three games left. Now, Dwayne, before the show, me and you talked about it. And maybe it's impossible for them to catch Nashville, but I don't see how it is. Can we lay it out for the fans? Absolutely. Let's go. We were talking about before the show. Um, so for all those wondering, okay, this is what it looks like. Dwayne, can you pull up the infographic that I showed you at the Western Conference or no? Uh, I'm trying to, I, I'm having some issues here trying to pull okay. it up right now. But So um, just so people know, Nashville is at 79 games played, 94 points. Uh, so they have three games left. Dallas, 79 games played, three games left, 93 points. Vegas, 79 games played, three games left, 90 points. Now, I know everybody's making this out to be Vegas versus um, Dallas because they do play um, tomorrow at 8.30. But my thought was, well, hypothetically, if, if Nashville loses, Nashville plays Calgary tomorrow in Nashville, and then they're at Colorado on the 28th and at Arizona on the 29th. If they lose all three of those games, they would be stuck at 94 points, okay? Correct. This, we're not even talking about Dallas right now. That means Nashville sits at 94 points. If Vegas gets in their last three games, they play against Dallas in Dallas um, the 26th. The next night, they're in Chicago, and they finish off the 29th in St. Louis. If they get five out of a possible six there, and Nashville loses all three of their games in regulation, that would put Nashville at 94 points and Vegas at 95. So I know everybody, like, what do they know that I don't? I I, I don't know. I, I, they, I get it's, the it's Dallas very doable. thing. It's very doable. I get the I get the Dallas thing because if yeah. if 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 um well no, it would they would have to lose in overtime to have a chance to, to beat Nashville. You know what I mean? Yep. Let's just say Vegas, let's say Dallas beats Vegas in overtime. So Vegas is at 91 points, but they went out against Chicago and St. Louis, giving them 95 and um, Nashville loses against Calgary, Colorado, and Arizona. Doesn't that get them in Vegas is still in with 95 and, um, Nashville at 94, right? Correct. I get that that's a long shot, but like, I don't see that being talked about anywhere. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, 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 it gets a long shot. I think, I think what they need to do though, is they need to get through Dallas first. Um, I think, you know, not worried about other teams losing. You really need to take care of business on your own. I and went, went beat Dallas. But because like you said, regardless. Yeah. You got to beat Dallas regardless. And no, no, no. Even if they beat Dallas, they need help. Oh, they need help, yeah. But I mean, if I, if I'm the, if I'm Vegas with all the issues they've had this season between the injuries and you gotta uh, beat Dallas, you're right. You're you gotta beat Dallas and Dallas. We'll start there. Yeah. If they lose, if they lose outright to Dallas, not knowing the different tiebreakers, even if yep. Nashville does lose their next three games, they still could be out. So Vegas has to get at least a point against Dallas. To stay alive. To stay alive. If they lose in regulation, it's over for them. And if Nashville picks up at least one point over the next three games, Vegas is out. Correct. Unless 
Vegas wins all three of their games and Nashville loses two out of the three in regulation and loses the last one in shootout. I know that might seem crazy and I might have lost some of you, but right now Vegas is back three points of Dallas, four points of Nashville. They all have three games left. The interesting part of this is tomorrow two of the teams square off. That's right. I think I think after tomorrow's night, a game against Dallas with Nashville also playing Calgary, who is playing well right now. It's not it's not a long shot to expect Calgary to beat Nashville, even in Nashville, right? Yeah. So let's just say Vegas does beat Dallas. They're now at 92 points. Let's say they beat them in regulation. Now it becomes uh, I'm saying two things. Vegas beats Dallas in regulation and Nashville loses to Calgary in regulation. Now right. we have Vegas at 92, Dallas at 93, Nashville at 94, all with two games left. That to me would make for a fucking hell of a last two games. Yeah. So means- I, I would, I'm putting up, what- I'm betting the farm that I don't have because I have kids in a house that I need to buy on Calgary beating Nashville in regulation and Vegas beating Dallas in regulation just to make this last week in the Western Conference even more exciting than it could be. Yeah, I mean, that's good for hockey though, right? Right down to the wire. I mean, this is what you want. You want these teams really – because, like, this is about as close to playoff hockey as you're going to get in the regular season. This is playoff hockey, brother. This is playoff hockey, yeah. You know what I mean? Like – you know you're gonna you're you're gonna you're gonna see guys. You know not that they shouldn't be doing that all season, but you're gonna get see see guys really put their body on the line to stop pucks from going to the net. Like and you know Jack Eichel pointless in the last four games. Um, you know they they spent a lot on him. Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a first, a second round pick. Like that's not nothing, you know. And they they need they need a big game out of him tomorrow night. You just have to. I understand he's not a hundred percent. There's no way after being a. It's going to take a while, right, Cully? I mean, it, it, you're not going to be the player you were last year after taking an entire year off and having major neck surgery. Yeah. No. no listen, I haven't seen the same. Listen, no. I've never been a Jack Eichel fan, and um, for a couple different reasons. Ironically, it goes back to a game three years ago. Or what, what? 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 When was Vegas's first season? Three or four years ago? Um, I want to say this is their fourth season. So let's season, maybe? say three, three, four years ago, we played Vegas in OT. Jack turned the puck over in overtime. Didn't back check. Guess who scored the goal? His guy. And for me, that said it all. From the rumors I heard from the people I knew at, at BU. Um, to some other people I talked to, I never liked his defensive game. I always thought it was odd that Sam Reinhardt, not a true center, was taking defensive zone draws over the past couple of years when he was on the ice with Jack. Yeah. Like, as a center, you have to play 200-foot game. You don't have elite centers in the NHL that don't play 200-foot game. Austin Matthews is so good, and he doesn't get credit for it because he is an elite defensive center. I, I wish I could pull it up. Early on in this season, one of the first games, Matthews comes back um, in his own end, wins a battle below his own goal line, strips the puck from the opposing player, skates down the ice, makes the outlet pass, 
beats his man down the ice, gets the pass back for a goal. So just transitioning from that, like I, I was never a huge Eichel fan. I'm not going to sit here and shit on him right now. I am thrilled the return that we got. I think uh, like everybody loves talk and, and I, I do too. I love the family from everything I've heard from what quickies filled me in on, on and off the air, what he's told us, Dwayne, like he's closer to them than I am. Yep. I, I got to meet him when he was younger and his brother. Um, but I think the undercover piece of this trade is Peyton Krebs. Like, I think that Peyton Krebs, I, I, I need him, first off, I need him to start shooting more. Because I think that I, I he's an, an unbelievable playmaker. I want to see this kid to start shooting more. Because I think yeah. he put a lot more points on the board if he stops hesitating, stops trying to be, always trying to be a playmaker, start shooting that puck more. And I, I really, we haven't even, like, again, I said this earlier, we haven't even scratched the surface of Peyton Krebs. He's still just a kid. Now, can I interject? Yep. I think you're 100% right. But I think that this summer, like, what did we, what have we seen? And, and I, you saw it with uh, Tage Thompson's goal where he got that pass and it was like 110 miles per hour top shelf against Philly, yep. I think, right? Yep. Now, what did Granado ask Tage Thompson to work on this offseason? He um, said in his presser, if you didn't hear it, I'll tell you gladly. It's, his release. Yeah. Oh, he honestly is one of the he was one of the best releases in the league. Right. But Granado came out and said that that was what he gave um Thompson in his exit meeting last year that said, Hey, if you want to be the player that you can be, work right. on your release this summer. Thompson did it. Now, <laughs> if if he gives a similar mission to Krebs as a young guy. And he spends this summer obviously working on everything else, but really putting an emphasis on his release. I can tell you from a goalie and from a coaching perspective, his playmaking will only get better. Because if you know a guy is a pass-first guy, trust me, even at the OHL level, we had stat sheets, we had pregame pre-game, uh, scouting reports that said, hey, on a two-on-one on this side, this guy's going to pass it all the time, Okay. And, like, I can only imagine with the advanced analytics what they're able to do. So if you now have – you're a shooting threat no matter where you are on the ice, it's going to make you that much more of a dangerous playmaker. Yeah. You agree? I agree. I agree. 100% I agree. So I, I'm willing to give Krabs the benefit of an offseason. I'm not saying that he's going to make the jump that Thompson made and be a 40-goal guy and a, a number no, one No, that's a lot to expect, of right. a, especially a but, kid at his age. I Do I expect him to be – like a 20 goal scorer, there's no reason he shouldn't be. And he could be a 70 assist guy, really. He really could be at his ceiling. But it takes it comes with as a goalie, if you know this kid's gonna pass, you, you're gonna be able to give yourself backwards momentum. You're gonna be able to make a backside shoulder check read, as opposed to, well, fuck, he can still beat me from the top of the circle. So I have to respect that. And him already being an elite passing playmaker. You see what I'm trying to say? Like, yep. looking at it from the goaltending defensive perspective, I think if if he becomes, I'll, I'll call it situational selfishness. Uh, if if Krebs has a way of if making his shot, just we're talking not even miles per hour harder, but just making his release more deceptive, I think that we could see a huge jump from him. And got, even without that, Dwayne, I've been a huge fan of his game. Love what I seen from him. I did not expect. I love the versatility of him because he's played, but he's a center, but he's been playing on the wing a lot. And his ability to produce from either position—that's like 
that's a huge value for me in this league. And that's why, like, I was so with any level of hockey. I can tell you, Dwayne, coaching at Fredonia at the collegiate level, right when I retired, I never realized just how valuable a guy was that could play anywhere in your lineup. Well, I think you you, you, you mentioned Sam Reinhardt earlier. You know, you you kind of realize how underappreciated we, you know, because he took a lot of criticism. I fucking hate that we traded Sam Reinhardt. I loved him. I thought he was our best player, even when I was here. I mean, I wouldn't say bad. It was I, good, I, I know. It I was a good 1A1B. It was a good 1A1B. I just, I love that we got Devin Levi. A couple clicks for him winning the Mike Richter Award. Don't know how yeah, I, I congratulate him to win best goalie in the country, but not be up for the Hobie Baker, you fucks. You know what? It was probably him going to the Olympics. Same thing with Owen. That really kind of. No, uh, so, hey, Dryden McKay, did you hear about his sanctions? His sanction. Well, I know. I know he signed with the Marlies. No, 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 no. He NCAA. They they could strip him of the Hobie, but they won't. He uh, he wasn't eligible to play this what? semester. Do I didn't see that. No. I didn't see that. It might not be in the news yet, but it happened. I did not know that. Yeah. So he was academically ineligible to play in this last semester. Um, so you're telling me the kid's dumb as rocks? No, I think it has more to do with him not being a full-time student. Oh, okay. Because you need to have you need to have 12 credit hours, aka four courses, to be considered a full-time student, aka eligible through clearinghouse. But this just came out a few days ago. I don't expect it to get much traction because it's just a black eye on the NCAA. But how do you have a guy that won? the Mike Richter award for the best goalie in college hockey. And then you have another guy that wins the Hobie Baker in the same position. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. We got your back. You should have won the Hobie. Fuck them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know, again, I think I remember when I was talking to our friend over at Michigan, when we were texting back when, um, cause I was originally me and producer Steve, we were supposed to make the trip to Michigan to go catch a couple games at Yost, and we ended up canceling the trip because with all the money we were gonna, that trip was going to cost, we wanted to see both Eric Portillo and Owen Power. Well, Owen wasn't going to be there anymore, so it was like, "Well, we'll wait till he gets back, and then I get COVID." Great, but uh, but you know, with uh, with ever with with that whole situation, she mentioned he goes, "You know, it's happened at Michigan. It's happened before in the past. You know." When when you go to the Olympics, it can really hurt your chances at the Hobie Baker. It's just it's just a fact. Yeah, and it's it's a shame. But listen, individual accolades are individual ac- accolades. Uh, I just felt I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. It, it hasn't really been talked about much in the hockey circles. I was made aware of it um, by somebody I trust that is a current Division One head coach. Um, that if they wanted to, they could strip Dryden McKay. And here's what's interesting. Had um, Mankato not given up that lead in the third, we could be facing a whole different can of worms. And I think it's because they lost that's trying to be quickly swept under the rug because um, who who won the game? Was it um, Jesus, not North Dakota, um, Denver. If Denver loses and – it's because they lost one nothing to you know. Let's just say uh, McKay doesn't let in those three weak goals. Let's just say they lose, and then it comes out that the the guy that they couldn't score on was ineligible and shouldn't have been playing. 
Yep. Now we have a vacated title. You see what I mean? So, yeah. like, I th- I understand why they're doing it. I I think more will come to light. I'm not making this up. It comes from a source that I would trust with my life, and I don't think you would well, have to be that that hard to find out. Cully, um, I trust you with my life. I know, and, and Dwayne, I trust you with my daughter's life. So, uh, it, not with I yours? appreciate that. Uh, well, my life ain't worth much, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a ticking time bomb here. I, I I've um, been looking. I've been now. I've been uh, for those of you who've noticed, I've been kind of looking down. I've been doing a little research while you've been talking, because we were talking about Tage, we're talking about Jack, we're talking about you know, <clears throat> the, like just the implications of each player on the fran- on their respective franchises, right? So I was just curious while we were talking, what uh, this season just this season as a whole, just point total. And yeah, I know there's a, there's a discrepancy in games played between uh, Jack and Tuck, but it's not massive just because Tuck was injured to start the season. Obviously, so was Jack. So get this: two probably most franchise-altering trades this team has ever been involved with since Hashik, at least, right? Probably since Hashik, maybe Lafontaine, right? You know, in terms of return, you know what it, what it could potentially do to the franchise. Are the Jack Eichel trade and the Ryan O'Reilly trade. So we're going to look at the two main pieces of each of those deals. In the Jack trade, uh, if if you're if you're if you're adding point totals between Jack and Ryan O'Reilly this season, seventy three points in hundred and seven games played. What do you think Tuck and Tage have together in hundred and twenty four games played? Hundred eighty two. No, that's no. too high. 150. 105. Okay, I was between, too high. Between sorry. Alex Tuck, between Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson, 105 points in 124 games this season alone. Now, again, there is a discrepancy in some games. Roughly, I'm terrible at math. What is that? 13, uh, not 13 games, uh 16 Play games. I think it's 16 more games played. For Tuck and Tate. We're not even talking, we're not even adding Peyton Krebs totals in there. Um, but 105 points in 124 games between Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson. And you have Jack Eichel with Ryan O'Reilly. Again, I don't think Jack is hundred percent. So what was what was O'Reilly and Eichel's total? Jack has 21 points in 31 games, which normally he's around a point get per, point per game player. I thought Almost you were always. talking about them together. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Jack has 21 points in 31 games. Ryan O'Reilly this season, 52 and 76. Together, they have 50, uh, 73 points. Right? Yeah. Uh, for Tage Thompson, 67 and 76. And Alex Tuck, 38 and 48. So clearly, I mean, again, I- I'm never going to say we're going to win the Ryan O'Reilly trade just because of, I mean... <laughs> He won the he won the Conn Smythe, the Hart Trophy, and the Selkie Trophy the very next season after trading him. So until you bring a Lord Stanley's Cup to Buffalo, I don't really think we've actually won that trade because they're always going to have that feather in their cap. Hey, we won a cup, you know. And Ryan O'Reilly was the biggest contributor to that. Um, he won the Conn Smythe. There's no yeah. I mean, there's no there's no arguing that. But but with the season he has had. And what Tuck has done for this team, not just on the ice, but most importantly off the ice, and helping continuously this culture that Don Granado and Kevin Adams have been trying to build. I mean, am I am I so out of line in thinking that we won these trades? 
cumulatively uh, right now? I think I'm feeling it's better. Close. About the I think it's close. Trade. Here's the interesting part. We didn't, where we, I we didn't want the trades, but it's it's a lot closer than I think many fans would have thought going into this season. Oh, I think it's a lot closer than six months ago. But yes, you're right. Going into the season, I think the development of Tage Thompson helps because in the like when that trade happened, I'm like, if we don't get Robert Thomas back, it's a bust. I think Tage is better. Well, and no, I can't say that Thomas is on a tear. But with that being said, I think the trades work out for in our favor for two reasons. Now we have players that want to be Buffalo Sabres. Now here's the tricky part. Ideally, if you were to redo it as a Sabres president, you name Ryan O'Reilly captain, which would have made selfish Jack Eichel butt hurt. And you know what I mean? That's where the friction what? was. And with some of the ownership with Ryan O'Reilly, right? And yep. he once he asked out, then it was Jack's show. Um, he didn't like, you know, I just fuck Jack Eichel. I'm not I'm gonna come out and say it. I think he's a prima donna bitch that is never going to have success in this league because he's not mentally tough enough. And I think all that needs to be said is look how he reacted after his game here in Buffalo. Yep. Sure. Frustration. But I think hockey and the NHL is a character sport. I think we got guys back like Thompson and Tuck that are character guys that want to be Sabres. Yep. And I think we got rid of guys. I shouldn't say guys. I got We got rid of a guy like Jack Eichel that never really cared where he went. He always felt like he was second fiddle to McDavid, like he was. Because let's be honest, guys, we wanted fucking Mc, McJesus. That I mean, was who doesn't? I mean, I mean, it wasn't taped. I mean, for he's Eichel. the best player in the world, and he might go. He might arguably go down as the best player that ever lived. Nah, I, I, he's the best player in the world right now. Um, it's tough to compare eras, and I'm not going to get into that. No, I, I mean, just, I'm just, I just think saying. that there was so many red flags for me watching Jack Eichel. And I don't want to get into them all now. And I know the wound is still fresh, but I am so happy that he's out of this organization. I'm not going to call him a cancer, but I feel like he was a <coughs> cancer in that locker room. And what what happens when you remove that? You see these young guys just surpassing expectation. You see a guy like Jeff Skinner, who everybody was ready to fucking burn his contract and, and send him to the minors and buy him out back to 30 goals. Like guys, there's a reason for this. Yeah. And well, I think, I think Jeff Skinner probably has, has a great season last year. If he wasn't subjected to the third and fourth line by Ralph Kruger, the guy just goes out there and scores goals, even on bad hockey teams. He proved that a lot in Carolina, but I get, I, I get where you're going. That's all I had to say. I, I had to no. make my stand. I've been trying to keep I, it locked up. I just, I ever since Jack came into the league, I go back to his title game where in Buffalo, where BU lost because uh, maybe it wasn't in Buffalo, but when no, it wasn't in lost Buffalo, the but the, title, the, the, the buck goal it was essentially like a buck, uh, no, an own goal uh, by Hammond. Wasn't it Andrew Hammond? No, no, no. He's not. He doesn't play anywhere in the show. Big guy. Um, you could look it up very easily. He went to Ottawa. He went to Ottawa. He 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 had he had, he, he. I remember he signed with Ottawa. It's not a lot of he signed with up. Ottawa. Um, YouTube own goal BU national championship. He caught it. He dropped it. It went in. Yep. My point is this: Jack Eichel tried to do it all in those last two shifts, and I just from then on, I never liked his game. 
Yes, he skates like the wind. Yes, he had those amazing moments. But to me, he was never the face of a franchise. He's like the plan B pill. I think he was what we got when we lost McDavid. I think and, I think there's a lot that goes into that for me because there was the, the comments Tim Murray made kind of like putting Eichel in a bad spot after he lost the draft lottery. Tim Murray like, should have never been our GM. Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. Who's that on? That's on ownership. And that's where I want to leave it. And but uh for me, I think I, I think the cancer for the culture of the Buffalo Sabres, I don't think it started with Jack Eichel. I think it started oh, with no, another it was in place long before that. I well, yeah, that... yes, for sure, for sure. But I think well, where it really started captain and savior is where it all went wrong. Like it should be that, that making Jack happy over Ryan O'Reilly. Oh well, Ryan O'Reilly was the leader first of that off, team. Johnny, first off, all, all the stuff about Jack and Ryan, like be, not liking each other, that was all. That was yeah, all media. I don't believe any of that. But I don't believe any of that. Time, Dwayne, who is the better captain? Oh, Ryan O'Reilly probably should have been captain. Oh, just because. why did why did we oh, fucking yeah, cripple talk. the Jack's demands? Like that's what I mean. There is a but, situation well, out there in in the multiverse and the Marvel multiverse where the Sabers still have Ryan O'Reilly. And Jack Eichel. I don't think Jack Eichel's ever going to be a captain again. He's not captain material. I I really don't think – I really – first off, I don't think – I think there was a lot more to Ryan O'Reilly leaving than Jack Eichel. I I, I personally don't think Jack had anything to do it. I remember when uh, Josh Allen bought dinner for Jack Eichel. Uh, He saw Jack Eichel out to eat um, one night. Uh, It was after the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Jack was out to eat with Ryan O'Reilly that night. And then Jack was also a guest from O'Reilly uh, at the Stanley Cup Finals when O'Reilly won the Cup. So right. they're friends. They've so been friends. I'm going to bring this up in rebuttal. And this is from good sources, and you know it is, because we were told by the same person. Josh Allen and Jack Eichel did one, one promotional video together. Oh, yeah, I remember. I, I know this. And a lot of people do. And Josh Allen, after, and we all know Josh Allen is the king of Buffalo, the greatest human ever made. Yeah. And he was built for this city. Josh Allen said after that, that I will never work with that man again. You have to be a special kind of asshole and self self self-centered, whatever you want to call it to have the, the king of Buffalo say, I will never well, team up with him. That now, report, go back, hey, go back to the video. Do you remember when Josh Allen was in the locker room? Yep. Did you see how he dapped up Tuck? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I well, went the, six the, to midnight and came in my pants when I saw that. That that, that, that was awesome. Um, the video, <clears throat> I remember it was originally said by Paul Hamilton. Uh, Paul Hamilton said on the local radio station here that uh, that uh, Josh Allen, and he – he was saying this, this is what he heard from other people that Josh Allen wanted nothing to do with Jack Eichel after that video. And then he came back on later in that same segment and said he was told that that didn't actually happen, that that was all hearsay. So no, no I've, I've double checked it. It happened from who I can't say. So, well, regardless if it happened, hey, hey, if it makes you feel any better, I'm willing to put my my integrity on the line and my whole reputation. I have one friend 
plays closely. I'm not going to name names in in the PG PSE. Um, that happened, and Josh Allen did say that. Okay, so okay. But with that being said, Josh Allen, if asked, would probably have done another video. But he, for him to say that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I maybe I, I don't want to read too much into it. Well, I, I, I heard it from first off, backed it up. I, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and be a Jack Uncle defender. I'm not. I'm not going to defend him. He's no longer on my team. I have no any more reason to defend him. But I'm also not going to play into the hate Jack Eichel card. I mean, sometimes I do on Twitter just for the fun of it because it's funny. But at the same time, I'm not going to play into that card thinking that he was the whole reason that the Sabres couldn't figure out a way to win. Personally, if you ask me, the player that probably started the cause of all this was, for me, Evander Kane. And I've heard a lot of stories about Evander Kane and some of the parties that he had up in his room because he never actually bought a place here in Buffalo. Yeah, no, he, he lived was, in that hotel. I, I got up to that hotel room once and nothing good was happening. And I left. Yeah. And that guy has been an absolute cancer everywhere he's been. You now, see what he's, you see he's what he went through. around finally, but it took him having to divorce his wife go through the public scrutiny of owing casinos money, having to forfeit salary, blah, 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 blah. When he was here, he was more interested in extracurricular activities. All I say, and I've been told this by a Hall of Fame coaches of mine, um, and Doug Gilmore said this, as long as you show up to the rink and you do your job, then uh, you he doesn't care what you do. guilty. As long as you show up and do your job, yeah. They don't, nobody gives a fuck what you do on your own time. But, but the minute that your extracurriculars leak into your ability to do your job, then you have a problem. Yeah. I, I but here, I just, um, um, but for me, I think that's really where the cancer in the culture started with Buffalo. It wasn't Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel, if you, yeah, sure. He was some spoiled rich kid from Boston. hundred percent, hundred percent. But when you have young, young kids in locker rooms, with guys like that, I mean, and you all saw the relationship between Jack Eichel and Evander Kane. They were pretty tight. Like, that's that just that spells disaster for your franchise player. It just does. And, again, I'm, I I refuse to put blame on Jack. Does, Jack. does Jack share some of the blame? Yeah. Every single player on those rosters shares blame, 100%. But for me, I really think Evander Kane is really where the cancer the, the cancer and the culture started because that's a guy who, if you look at his track record, never put winning first ever. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's easy in hindsight. You could be right, Dwayne. And I think you are right on a lot of points. I just think it's unfair for us to speculate. No, no, no. Outside of what we know. I don't think outside of that though, I don't think we had it right at the managerial position. I don't think we had it right in the hockey ox department. I don't think we had it right in the coaching department. I think there was a lot of failures at a lot of at every level that led to this being even a situation. The best organizations, and I'll I'll, I'll talk about Tampa Bay only because John Cooper coached me in Team USA. I know that the transition from Iserman to Breezebois <laughs> as general managers, and well, Coop stayed as the head coach, and there was no like hiccup there is because they instilled a culture. They had a guy like Stamkos 
that and uh, that was able to bring a guy like Hedman along the right way, was able to bring a guy like Braden Point along. You know, look at all the yep. players like Kucherov the right way. Like they're a perfect example of doing it right at all levels. I think Buffalo is the perfect example of systematic failure to do right by your franchise players. And I, I, I want to leave it at that. Agreed. I think I, I don't think enough. There's there were good things and bad things about Tim Murray. I think Tim Murray wanted to really fast track the rebuild, which is why you went you made the trade for Ryan O'Reilly. That's why you went and made the trade for Evander Kane. And at the time, it was genius because when you made that trade for Evander Kane, it it was before you had Jack Eichel. It's before you. It was during the tank year. Well, Evander Kane. It was during that whole Dustin Bufflin thing, the tracksuit story. Um. And then Evander came because of the the, the the controversy that was going on in Winnipeg. He decided, I'm going to get shoulder surgery. I'm going to end my season. Even though, even though he could have played, he decided to get shoulder surgery. Ended his season. Well, Tim Murray goes, trades for the guy. He's not going to be able to play for me all season. But now I have a goal-scoring winger to play with Jack Eichel for the next season. At the time, look genius because it didn't affect it, it did not affect the tank. And you now you have a piece already in the future for your, your future franchise center. Who then, did we give up? Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers. And, um, and he's a right-handed defenseman. Yeah, well, Tyler and who Myers. Is, who is and, the right-handed uh, defenseman that slid into his spot that is now playing for Philadelphia? That's a goddamn pylon. Uh it was um no, it was the Doroff was the Ryan O'Reilly. Um I'm trying to remember. Uh, God, he's a big you only make that trade and send a guy like Myers out, a young budding top four right-handed defensemen if you feel confident in the guy that's going to be replacing those 26 minutes. Mm-hmm. And seeing Ristolainen fail miserably on that Philadelphia team, that is the best move Kevin Adams has made yet outside of the Eichel deal. Which one? Sorry, again. They didn't get the fucking Rasmus turnover. Oh, 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 yeah, the Rasmus Ristolainen. Absolute highway robbery. A first, a second, and Robert Hag, who actually ended up being serviceable at times, hundred percent. Which you then turned into like a six-round pick at this deadline. So oh. I was looking up. I was looking up that trade, uh, the Evander Kane trade. You traded Myers, Drew Stafford, and prospects Noel Armia and Brendan Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux, Lemieux, who Lemieux locally, was never going to sign here. Yeah, he never wanted to be here. And a first-round draft pick, and in exchange, Buffalo got Evander Kane, Zach Bogosian, and goaltender Jason Kasdorf. Bogosian was serviceable when he was healthy, but he could never stay healthy. I met Kasdorf. Uh, never an NHL goalie. Yep. Uh, I, I just, uh, for me, um, you forget Bogosian time- was a, a top five pick a lot yep. in that draft with uh, Dowdy Petrangelo. And all those guys, uh, and Shen, you know. Um, so it's tough. Hey, listen, I, I don't want to look back through a crystal ball that we don't have. Uh, I think we've touched on it enough. Um, uh, I want to get into more what to look forward to. Switching to the Eastern Conference before we let everybody go. Um, I will bring up everything right now. Um, so we have we have the Eastern Conference, which is as it starts today, 
Florida would play Boston. No, Florida would play Washington. Okay. Toronto would play Tampa Bay. Which that that just smell that just reeks of four game sweep for Toronto, in my opinion. Tampa Bay is if Toronto loses their next two. No, hold on. I want to make sure I get this right. Boston can catch. Hold on. Give me a second here. I want to make sure I get this right for the people at home. Um, Okay. So Boston can catch Tampa Bay if Boston wins out and Tampa doesn't. Um, You know what's ironic? We are fifth in the Atlantic because of our latest heater. Yeah. And when was the last time that we've had three teams below us? Anyways, so <laughs> a while, buddy. your playoff teams are, are locked in, right? It's going to be Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston uh, from the Atlantic. And then from the Metro, it's going to be Carolina, <laughs> New York, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Now, here's where it gets interesting, okay? It doesn't look like Boston will catch Tampa Bay um, unless Tampa Bay really throws some some shit. And the next three games, it's possible. I don't think it's it's going to happen. But when you look at the Metropolitan, Pittsburgh, after losing inexplicably, and I saw the whole game three nothing to Philly, who we fucking dismantled. Yeah, Philly. Pittsburgh also lost um, Drury and Casey DeSmith. Nothing against Casey. I love the guy. He was my backup at Team USA. Uh, but like, there's been question marks in goal for, for Pittsburgh forever. I can't believe they didn't address that at the deadline. Anyways, what could happen though? So Carolina's pretty much set in stone in first mm-hmm. New York Rangers are pretty much set, set at second in the Metro. Yep. Pittsburgh could end up falling as the second wild card and end up playing Florida. Well, Washington could leapfrog them. So here's how it goes. Pittsburgh has 80 games played with two remaining, (coughs) 101 points, okay? Washington has three games remaining with 100 points, okay? Correct. So as I look at the teams, I will give you their schedules, okay? Pittsburgh first, they have – Edmonton and Columbus, both at home. They have Edmonton tomorrow night and Columbus 29th. They have two games rest, okay? Now, Washington has Islanders at home tomorrow. They have off Wednesday, and then they finish the season Thursday, Friday, back-to-back at the Islanders at the Rangers. That's going to be fascinating. Now, when you look back at it, like if let's just say hypothetically, if Pittsburgh and Washington were to trade places now, Pittsburgh plays Florida and Washington plays the Rangers. It's just interesting. I I, 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 li- I would like to see a Washington Rangers series. I think that, 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 that it's always fun watching those games between the, both those teams. I think Shesterskin, even though he's kind of fallen off as of late, uh, the last couple of weeks in the heart, you know, in the heart trophy race, 
Um, he's still I, he's still an unbelievable goaltender. Yeah, unbelievable goalie, and we all know how much goaltending means in the playoffs. I mean, in the regular season to get to the playoffs, you can you can have you you can build in front of average goaltending and make the playoffs. But when you have a goalie who gets hot in the playoffs, we've seen it so many times in the past. I mean, they they can steal you series, and I, I'm very interested to see a, a series like that because I think those are two very evenly matched teams and that would be a lot of fun to watch for me now one other thing so boston looks pretty set in the first wild card spot right yep but it is possible for them they play florida they play florida tomorrow which is a lot of implications seems like let's say it's safe to say they lose that one but and then they have buffalo toronto back to back to finish the season like it's it's realistic to think that they might lose all three of those games. And if they do, then they could possibly fall into the second wild card spot if Pittsburgh or Washington, you know, does their thing. Uh, yep. It's really interesting. Um, my computer's about to die. Before we wrap up, um, I have one Jeremy Roenick story to tell, but I wanted to give you a chance to let out anything else that we didn't get to. No, just uh, one thing. Did you see the Kuznetsov shootout goal? I did not. He I came in, he came in ridiculously slow, almost like Patty Kane slow. We've seen Patty Kane do it in shootouts. And then halfway into his stride, he remember when Rasmus Rist Alliance scored that goal in the celebration, he did the, the stick twirl? Oh yeah, he did the stick twirl. Good girls, going Kuznetsov did the the stick twirl mid stride in the shootout against Toronto, and then scores, which it looks cool for a highlight. But like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I, I don't hate it. Goalies, we're biased, dude. You know, um, I can tell you what: being on the ice with Quentin Musty and Cam Bauer, two guys that can do things with the puck that I've never seen possible. When you think of Trevor Zegers, think about that with no defenders. I I, I I hate the fact that Zegers gets some of the hate he does around the league. No, nah, he's a good player. Let him go. It's stupid. Yeah, it's it's stupid. stupid. It's good for the game. Like you see, you see in the NBA these these alley oops and the dunks and some of the stuff that they do during games, yeah, and we, we highlight it. Like, well, why can't hockey have that? It's just like it's stupid. Hockey game. should. We need to grow the game. You need to grow the game, and guys like Trevor Zegers are going to help. Well, you, do you know what it is? It's the old man. It's the old fucking old hockey yeah. writers that are so afraid of change, and 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 they remember watching in the eighties and nineties when people played with wooden sticks and couldn't do shit like that. They're afraid of change. They're dinosaurs. And I, I don't know. I'm with you on that. Um, I'm a big Zegers fan. I think it's good for the game. Yep. I think it's just scary as goaltenders. And as a oh, goaltender coach working with my higher level goalies, I have to prepare them for stuff like this. Right. It, it, and, and you want to know what, you know, what, man, like they do it like that. They literally just do it like that. It's not like the, the Michigan back in the day where they have to go down and pick up. They can literally just scoop it within a with a split second, and it, another split seconds later, it's the nut. They don't it's even like, need to scoop it. Guys are able to literally pick up a flat puck, and they know how to just yeah. It's wild, I man. Great lane. I see it every day, dude. Every oh, yeah. time Musty and uh, Bauer shoot for me, which was today, I saw him do it five times. 
Um, and I let them do it because these goalies, I'm preparing them for the future where we're only going to see more of this. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so hard. To, well, it happens so fast in game. It's so hard to like, you have to, you have, you have to literally notice it as a goalie. The second it's happening to prepare for that. So the, you hit on that, the nail on the head. I teach my goalies the only way that we can stop these things actively, whether it's a Zegras flip over the net or a Michigan, is being able to see what's behind the net. Too often goalies drop into the reverse VH, which is pad leg down, post leg down, and they don't see the puck. So, yes, they're preventing the wraparound goal, but they're exposing – um, you know, that, that corner of the Michigan or the, the, any pass out, um, with that being said, before my computer dies, uh, quick Jeremy Roenick story. Uh, I was able to participate in the Bob Probert Memorial ride. Um, the second annual one, this was back in, um, what is it? Um, I don't know. Let's just say 2011. Uh, I ran into Tony Amante, this being the Jamie Roenick 97th episode of Two Goalies, One Mike. I ran into Tony Amante. He was with Doug Gilmore um, at uh, the day, the night before this event. Like everybody that's involved in it, all the pro guys and us Spitfire guys were invited to the bar. Um, I go up to my old coach because I played for Gilmore less than a year and a half ago. And I didn't recognize the guy he was next to at the bar. He's like, hey, I'm Tony, this is uh, what my goalie, Cully. Uh, I, you know, I, he's in Windsor now. I coached him the other day. I'm like, Tony, man, back in NHL 97, you and JR were <laughs> like my guys, man. You, 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 you're my, one of my heroes. <laughs> and fucking, he was blitzed. But he turns and looks at me, he said, Cully, wrap it up, wrap it up twice. And I looked at Gilmore. I'm like, Dougie, what's that about? He's like, he, he's paying like 120, 20 grand a month in alimony. So funny, <laughs> little shit like that. Um, I'm sure Amanti has no memory of it, but just guys that we grew up idolizing for me to meet him and say he's my hero and for him to tell me to wrap it up twice. Yep. Uh, I, I thought that was funny tidbit. I, I remember he played a game. Episode. I want to say it was a game against Buffalo. I'm not sure if it was in Buffalo. Veronic got high stick like three, you know the story, like three times. He had to get like stitches three times in one game. And after the third time, he looks at the ref. He's like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? What are you watching? And then he picks the water bottle and throws it at the ref from the bench. I was I'm almost positive it was a game against Buffalo. And another time, obviously, we always in the all-star games, which are boring as they are. Um, it's you know, there's never really any physical contact, just like the Pro Bowl, there's no really no hitting. Uh, they don't want to see anybody get hurt, but um, Ronick didn't care. He would hit people, and on three diff in three different games, three different All Star games, he hit the same player all three times in three separate games, and all th- that player all three times was Alexi Jitnik, former Sabres defenseman. Feel it, Jitnik. Uh, with that being said, we have a tremendous slate of hockey. Like we said, RJ's final call, call this Friday, eight thirty. Vegas and Dallas, the Tuesday, the 26th. I don't know when this is going to be released, but a lot of playoff imp- implications there. Also, keep keep an eye on Nashville's uh, game against uh, Calgary tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Vegas closing it out with Chicago and St. Louis on the road. Yep. Nashville closing it out with Colorado and Arizona. Um, it's going to be interesting. And, and we'll finish with this. In our pregame notes – 
and this was obviously before the league went to 32 teams, I was almost positive that you played teams in your conference four times, which no, how it used to be, two home, two away. We discovered that if it does go head-to-head, Vegas and Nashville, Vegas won twice, Nashville won once. They only played three times, something I didn't know. I'll pull um, from PTI, the old paper throw, which was <laughs> off camera, which was tough. My Mac it will sleep soon unless plugged into a power outlet. So will Coach Cully because he's back at it tomorrow. Dwayne, any last thoughts? Uh, just excited to get to episode 100. Already uh, confirmed guest, Andrew Peters, will be on for us for episode 100. We will Let's have a stud of a – after the season's over, uh, leading up to the draft, we'll have at some point on um, – 2023 or 24 um, draft prospect. Um, OHL first overall pick. Yeah, not a big deal from Hamburg, New York. Uh, first American taken in the OHL in a long, long time. Um, played against guys like Connor Bernard, who's, you know, his whole life. And, um, you know, played against Shane Wright, who's supposed to be the number one pick this year. Uh, this season was in the same division as him. So it'll be interesting to have Q on. He's a good friend. I love the whole Musty family. Yeah. Um, his younger sister is one of the best goalies that I've ever seen. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, Mac Musty playing for Team USA Olympics in the next 10 years. So um, for Dwayne Stunnell, I'm Johnny Cullen. Dwayne, if you need a case, where do you go? Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia Boulevard. Uh, you should get over there for the few remaining Sabres games. So go pick up a case. Tell them two goalies, one Mike from Trainwreck Sports sent you. And, uh, you know, three words, buddy. Let's go Sabres. Yeah, let's finish out the season hard. You guys will have us back uh, before the playoffs start. Uh, can't wait for our annual playoff preview show. And uh, good night to everybody. Stay safe and uh, stay beautiful. Thank you, RJ. Hey everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel.
podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.